Hey guys, this is the Damage Control Podcast, and I'm Anthony Angelillo. And I'm Melinda Grimaldi. Are you ready for our next episode? Let's get down to business. Hi, my name is Anthony Angelillo, as you invite all the guests in. Um, I've been doing this business for about 17 years. I run and operate a a successful business in um, Miami Shores, and that is our branch, Tag Team, and uh, with Paramount Residential Mortgage Group. Uh, I own uh, Tag Team Nation LLC, which is a marketing company, e-commerce company as well, and um, also a platform that's allowing us to do what we're doing right now uh, besides Zoom. Uh, that being said, damage control, we've, uh, we've talked about this many times, episode 10. Uh, it's crazy to think that, you know, I believe in February was our first episode, and I was at Disney running a marathon at the time, and uh, it was something that Malin and I spoke about months prior and we never fully, you know, executed. And then it's till today. Now we are 10 episodes later, we executed. Uh, It's to help individuals out and alleviate all the objections that we have on a daily basis. Yesterday, I had several objections with loan files that I wish I could have recorded myself on that video. Uh, The agent that knows who you are, uh, I'll give you a shout out later on, uh, but she was, she was, like literally blown away with what we had to say on that conference call and the amount of information that was given. And that's the information that we're trying to share during these episodes to try to educate real estate agents. If I can get deals to work and, you know, we're putting out fires, why can't we share that information concept point proven on damage control? With that being said, Melinda, take the reins. Hi everyone, Melinda Grimaldi, your closing attorney. So I'm loving damage control because it allows us to share not only things we've learned in our years of experience, but bring people in that can share. So today we have something, it's more substantive, right? It's more concrete about the process, but Justin's also very good at branding and niching himself. He's done a great job so far. Um, how Justin and I have met actually was through, a, uh, we were both in a, in a coach, the same coaching program. So if you hear me ever talking about my experience with coaching, um, Justin's done the same thing, and you could probably tell that he's done the same thing because he's doing some really awesome things. So uh, we've learned a lot in the process, and so I will also be asking him about how he's niched his business, why he's done that, and things like that. But we'll get into the nitty-gritty, but I'll allow Justin to introduce himself. Um, Justin, why don't you just take it away? Sure. Uh, thank you guys <laughs> for, for having me on. Uh, it's it's cool being on the other side of this. Uh, you know, so. Thank you guys for having me again. My name is Justin Stivers. Uh, I'm an attorney, do exclusively probate. Um, So basically, I mean, I'm sure most of you all know what probate is, but essentially helping people, uh, helping families after somebody's passed away, we help them get their inheritance or in in your world, in real estate, uh, help transfer title to whoever the the beneficiaries are. So I've had the firm a couple of years now, and uh, I think, Anthony, Melinda, and myself, we did a, a presentation on probate a couple months ago. It went, it went well, and awesome. uh, yeah, glad to, be, glad to be here again, and not sure exactly what we're talking about just yet, but, but <laughs> you let me we're know. We're talking about all of it. Talking about all of it, so yeah, so no, and I think, I mean, I think it's awesome that you guys are doing this with, I mean, you started this before this whole COVID situation, so you're a little bit ahead of the curve, and I think you know, I know we, all three of us, we speak with a lot of realtors and a lot of other people in the industry. And this is definitely, I don't want to say it's the new norm. That's kind of like the phrase going around, but I just think that people 
are seeing that this is a great way to stay engaged. And so anyways, I commend everyone watching to, uh, you know, Friday at one could be, I guess there's really not much to us that you could too much else that you could be doing right now, but thank you guys for tuning in either way. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. For, thank you for joining us. Um, thank you for having me on your show. If you guys will, we'll give you the information about Justin's show. It has a little bit of a different angle than ours. Ours is really more real estate, biz, real estate focused business marketing and everything else, real estate. Um, Justin's a little bit more broad, but just as valuable. So we'll share that after the show. If you're subscribed, you'll get that information along with some really cool tools and resources that he has for you guys as real estate agents. So Let's start off with, I just want to start off with the basics. Um, and before we do that, actually, I'd love to have a little poll. If you guys can either in the chat or on Facebook, let me know if you had ever had a deal that's gone through probate, that was part of a probate process one way or another. Yeah. So put that in there so we could see, you know, the experience levels of where you guys are. If you've had a lot, if you, if you focus on these types of deals, um, and, and, and then so that we know where you're coming from, but Justin, please, if you can just very basically, like, let's start with how Jesus. someone knows, like if they're, they're a real estate agent right now, they're sitting down, you know, with, with someone and how do they know what process, if there's a process, if we have built, like, where do they start? How do they make sure they don't waste their time? Like give some good tidbits for them to like, you know, where to get started. Yeah. So I think it's probably, you know, probate is, it's not a whole, I mean, there is some things that's a, that's a little bit different in like your everyday transaction, but if you're, if you're going to go possibly get a listing, right. Most of you all, I'm assuming, and if not, if you're like you're brand new, one of the first things that you're going to do is you're going to, you're going to find that you're going to try to find out who the actual owner is, right? Like you might look at the tax roll. You might look at the property appraisers website. You want to find out who the owner of the property is. And so in probate, that's, that's really where you start as well. Probate only occurs if somebody has died and the person is still on title, right? So example I use a lot, let's say John owns, one, two, three Main Street, he owns that property. If when he dies, that property's still in his name, probate's gonna be necessary. And there's a lot of ways to avoid probate and all that, but you know, just very basically, what I, what I always say to realtors, and I'm sure you know, Melinda, you do as well, is <clears throat> see who owns the property first, right? Look at the, look at the title um, before you just go sign up a, you know, a potential seller. Because that, that happens all the time, you know, in my world, in the probate world, where somebody thinks that they can sell it, um, but they're not actually able to. So if you're an agent. Where do they go? Yeah. Like, what's the first, so, so someone thinks they could sell it, but they really can't. How do they know that? Like, how are they able to tell? Well, so they, they might not know themselves. There's only so much information that they can, that they can get on their own. Right. So if you're again, let's just say one, two, three Main Street in in Hollywood. Right. If you go look up that property on the Broward County property appraisers website. You're going to see somebody's name. Right. If it if it show if it says John Smith and that's it, you might not know that it, that it has to go to probate or not. If it says John Smith and it says a state of after his name. 99% of the time, it's going to have to go through probate. 
or it started and it's in the process. Yeah. Or, but probate's going to be involved at some point. I mean, the truth is if you know, if in your speaking with the potential seller or, or something and they say somebody has died, that's, you know, that's kind of a, that's, that's a red, you know, red flag that, you know, maybe you need to ask your title attorney, probate attorney, or somebody to do a little bit of digging because you might not be able to get all that information on your own, but you can tell from the title if it says a state of after somebody's name, that means it's going through probate. Uh, or if you just hear or know that somebody's died, chances are probate's necessary. Right. So, so to start off, if you see EST at the end of a name, you know it's either the probate process has started or it needs to be started to be able to sell that property in clear title. That's number one. Number two, if the person who's calling you's name is not the one that's on the property appraiser, that's your hint. Who's this person? It should be the first question before you even meet them in person. Is so who is so and so? Uh, they're listed here on the property. Oh, that's my dad. Okay. Is yeah? Uh, is your will your dad be at the appointment? No. Like, don't assume that the person's dead, obviously, but will your dad be at the appointment with you? Yes or no? And then why not? Or they'll tell you he passed away. Oh, okay. So he passed away. Has, um, so that's where you have to pause and see if there's any built-in inheritance, if there's another owner on the property. And that's where it gets a little bit more complicated in terms of, uh, and is really a whole class of like educating you on the different, and maybe Justin, we could do, we can uh, do one of these classes where we teach people how to tell um, if there's built-in inheritance or not. But for the purposes of this class, you can tell if there's more than one person, depending on if they own it as husband and wife or with survivorship rights. If not, then that's where probate kicks in, right? So what is, <clears throat> go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and, and I don't know if you know, we talk about this later, but one of the biggest things that I see is like in that example that you were giving where you're talking with the son, right? And the son says, hey, my dad just died. Um, I want to sell this property. I see a lot of times where realtors make the mistake because the son says, you know, I'm the only son. Dad said I get the property and they, you know, go off to the races. They list the property, put it on the MLS, waste all this time, go to title. And then title says, did you do a probate for dad? And they're like, no, he's the only son. He's going to get it. And unfortunately, that's just not, you know, the way it works. So, you know, again, I think, you know, the best thing real, a realtor can do, and again, kind of like how I think, you know, the three of us are sort of a team. And, and uh, you know, I think every realtor kind of needs their, their team of people. When, you, when you've got an issue and it takes, you know, for, for me to, or for Melinda to be able to look at title, it would take us pretty quickly to figure out, to determine who the right person is to be able to list it or whatnot, you know, before you, before you start taking pictures and throwing the property on the MLS, make a phone call, send an email and, and maybe have, have one of us or have, you know, have your people check it out. Yeah, exactly. Like for us that we're so accustomed to looking at these deeds and, and uh, you know, properties title and things like that, we could tell if a probate will be needed probably within one second of looking at the deed if we know who's alive and who's not. So um, it's super important to, to uh, guide your clients the right way and make sure you're not spinning your wheels because you might be trying to engage the wrong person, the person who's not in charge of the decision-making in the estate. So let's talk about that for a second, Anthony. Technically speaking, once a person passes away, who can hire the agent? When the person passes away, who can hire the agent? Who can hire the agent to sell the property? The, uh, the buyer's agent. Anthony. 
Not Anthony, sorry, Justin. Did I say Anthony? My bad. And Justin. I didn't know if you were like. <laughs> Big question, Anthony. I'm quizzing you. No, I'm just kidding. I don't have a bar, man, but I mean, I could possibly, I could possibly answer it. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Justin. I meant to say Justin. I was looking at you, Justin. <laughs> yeah, so, so the person who gets to, to pick the realtor is the person who's going to be appointed as what's called the personal representative. Uh, some states use the word executor. Uh, in Florida, we use the term personal representative. That's the person who's named by the court, who basically works with the attorney to do the entire process. And they're usually the ones in charge of, of picking the realtor. And that's, you know, when that, I, I see happens a lot where, you know, someone ends up before they become in personal, be, become the personal representative, they choose the realtor and the realtor ends up, you know, working with them only to find out that that person's not going to be the personal representative. And so they've kind of wasted their time. And now another realtor gets the, gets the listing, which happens, you know, a lot. So how does a realtor know that, that they're dealing with the personal representative or not? Yeah. Good question. Yeah. So that's, it's a piece of paper that that's going to be signed by the judge. So that's, I, I talk about this a lot because I think this is, again, you know, one of the biggest mistakes that I think a, a lot of realtors, um, you know, fall, find themselves in is that they find this person who seems very convincing and they even think that they're going to be the personal representative, um, but they're actually has to, they, can, they can't just say, look, my dad said I'm the personal representative, even if dad has a will that names. I was just going to say that. What if there's a will? What does that supersede that or no? Yeah, well, let me let me give you let me give you a, an example of, of a case that we have because uh, the will has to go to court, right? So when someone does a will, and that's a whole other topic, or we can talk about. But even if somebody has a will, generally you're still going to have to go through the probate process. So what happens is you've got John who goes and tells the realtor, "Look, this is my dad's will. He named me as the personal representative." And the realtor thinks, "Okay, that's great. Let's go ahead and list the property." But in this example, I'll give you that we have, we have a client um, who, whose grandmother passed away and she did a will in like 1992. And she named my client, the granddaughter, as the personal representative, okay? And she left everything to the granddaughter. 15 years later, she did another will and left the property to her son and left the house to him. That's okay. Normally, if there's a will that's done later, that's pretty normal. It would, it would supersede the first will. But it, ha it just so happened that grandmother had Alzheimer's pretty bad when she did that second will. And she didn't have you know, capacity to make that will. So we fought them in court. And so my client, we won. And my client ended up being appointed as the personal representative. So like in that example, if just because someone gives you a will, you don't know if there's a second will out there that might be more, you know, that might be even more valid than your will. So the personal representative is going to be, has to come from the court. It's a piece of paper, you know, you don't need to necessarily know, it's called order appointing personal representative, but it's, it's gotta come from the court. So usually, you know, what, if I'm working with a realtor and the case hasn't been, like there's no probate, they're not working with anybody, I just kind of tell the realtor, listen, you know, I'll, I'll do my, my uh you know what we call strategy sessions with the client have our call figure everything out i talk with the realtor i say i'll say to the realtor look i think this person is going to be the personal representative it's probably going to be another 20 days or so once i get that piece of paper i'll tell you and then you you can go off to the races and list it put up your 
you know, door hangers and, and all that stuff. Excellent. Excellent. So until they're appointed, they technically don't have the legal authority to bind the estate, yeah. right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. So, so don't start listing until, uh, cause otherwise you, they could change their mind and go with somebody else. And then you're wasting, you're turning your wheels or it could be somebody else. So at the end of the day, really wait, don't, don't get, what does it put the cart before the horse? Is that the thing? <laughs> before the horse, yeah. yeah. So, okay. So <laughs> we have to make sure we have, we're dealing with the right person, but the pros, process of probate, like in very simple terms, what does it do? Mm. Yeah. So what we're really doing is just getting, I think you guys would be familiar with the term clean title, right? That's the way I kind that's the way I kind of think of it is that in, in the term, you know, just in the terms of real estate, right? Again, someone owns one, two, three main street. We just need to get the title to the right owners so that he or she can sell it or rent it or do whatever they want to do with it. Right. So again, if it's, if property is owned by, by John, he dies, that property is now owned by his estate. If his children want to sell that property, we need to go through the probate process. And at the end of it, the judge is going to essentially sign a new piece of paper or a new deed saying that they're the owners. And at that point they can sell it, rent it out, take out homeowners insurance and all that with it. As if it's their own, right? We have a question from Facebook. What if there are multiple beneficiaries? I don't think that changes the analysis, right, Justin, uh, of who's the PR or the personal representative? Is that what we're talking about? Who's the personal representative? Or, or? Uh, well, the question came up during, uh, during our talk about who the PR was. Yeah. Ms. DeLuca, elaborate on Facebook, please. Well, <laughs> yeah. well so if, there's, if there's multiple beneficiaries um, and, we're just and we're talking about who gets to be the personal representative, right? Right. So I'll just, I'll talk on that and see if that answers. I think that, that is the question. But, so basically in Florida, there's a, if there's a will, that's going to say who the personal representative is, and we're going to go by that, okay? If there is no will, there's sort of a hierarchy. So first, it's going to be the, the spouse, if he or she is still alive. Then it's going to be the children. Then it's going to be the parents. And it just kind of goes on and on, you know. Um, if there's, let's say there's three people, there's three children. Um, and so we can't, you know, we need to pick the majority. So basically, two of them need to select who's going to be, who's going to be the personal representative. If all three can't agree, if like all three hate each other, we're going, unfortunately we're going to court and, that happened. and again, the court's going to, the court's going to pick somebody or maybe even pick an independent person. Um, but normally in the normal, in the normal course of things, um, you know, we, we get, we can figure, we, we don't have to get an independent person. We, we can get, we can figure it out between the, between the, the beneficiaries. Yeah. So next question, how long does the process normally take for it yeah, to be wrapped that's up? The, that's the, uh, that's the most common question I, I would say. Um, so, you know, I generally say there's, so there's two scenarios. Um, if so, and, and it depends on when the person died. Okay. And so if someone died recently, so if someone died, let's say within two years right now, uh, the process is probably going to take about seven to eight months. That's more or less the time frame. Um, if someone died more than two years ago, it's probably going to take about four months. So in the reason, the reason for the difference in that is that if someone died more recently, we have to deal with creditors. And that's, you know, again, a little bit of a, a broad topic, but 
if they died more than two years ago, we don't have to deal with them. I would say on most of the probates that most realtors are going to be handling, I would say seven to eight months is probably a good, it's probably a safe, you know, answer. Interesting. Uh, very good. Very good. Okay. So the, the, the general most common piece of property is the primary residence. So without getting overly complicated, I'm sure if you've dealt with a property in, 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 um, in, in probate, that's the primary residence, you probably heard about the order that's required determining if it's a homestead property or not. So without getting into too many overly complicated things, Justin, if you can just, because I know how this can really, we can really go off on tangents about homestead and about all these other things. Yeah. Can you just explain if the property is the primary residence, how that adjusts the analysis of what needs to get done and how that impacts who needs to sign off and things like that? Oof. Which is what, twist, which is going to lead us, there, brother. <laughs> which, which is going to lead us to, to our, like, our yeah, idea I that we're she's going with that. Yeah. And, and explain it in easy, fun terms. That in like can. two minutes, though. All right. <laughs> so, all right. So, so yeah, I think I can do it. So, homestead, right? So, homestead. I, I, most realtors, I think, probably on here know what homestead is, but it's your primary, it's your primary residence it's where you live the majority of the year. You get a tax exemption, all that good stuff. Um, in probate that comes into play and that's that's important and uh, important distinction because uh creditors can't try to get money from the sale of that property and they can't put a lien on the property and so a lot of times when someone passes away right if they were in the hospital they've probably got outstanding medical bills right so baptist hospital jackson palmetto whatever they might have had unpaid medical bills or a person might die and they have unpaid credit card bills, right? Visa, American mm -hmm. Express or whatnot. The only way that those, those, those what we call creditors are gonna get paid is through the probate. If there's any money that, that's in that person's estate to pay them with. If the only thing that a person had when they died was their homestead property, that means that creditor is not gonna get anything from that. So if I die and all I own is a piece of property, right, my primary residence, but I owe $100,000 to, uh, to Baptist Hospital, Baptist Hospital can't force my children to sell that property in order for them to get paid. They can't put a lien on the property. So that's, that's where homestead in probate becomes very, very important. You need what's called an order determining homestead because you're going to get that protection from any creditors, right? Because if you're inheriting a property, but dad owed 2000 bucks to American Express, you don't want to have to pay $2,000 to American Express. You just want to get that property. So in probate, if there's that primary residence, we're going to get that piece of paper so that none of the creditors get paid. What we do with Homestead though, is that uh, and, uh, so we, we transfer that tight, we transfer the property to whoever those beneficiaries are. So let's say that me and my sister are going to inherit our parents' homestead property, right? So we go through probate. Creditors aren't getting anything because it's the homestead property. The judge at the end of the probate is going to say, okay, Justin, you and your sister are now the owners of the property. The judge signs this piece of paper, which is basically the new deed. That takes the property outside of probate. So now that homestead property is no, is no longer in probate. 
So if me and my sister want to sell it, we're 50-50 owners and it becomes like any other, any other transaction that you would have with multiple owners. Now me and my sister both have to agree to sell the property. And I don't know, I'm teeing it up. I'm not sure if this is what you guys were going to talk about, but where that becomes an issue is in a lot of these properties that people inherit, right? So mom and dad, they're in their 90s when, they're pa when they pass away. The kids are in their 60s, 70s, maybe. Um, in my world, most siblings, the longer they live, the less they like each other, right? So brothers and sisters just tend to fall, tend to, you know, not stay in great relationships. Not always, but a lot of times tend to not stay in great relationships. And so now when mom and dad die and you've got multiple siblings inheriting a piece of property, they each can decide to sell or not to sell. And that's where a lot of issues become up because someone thinks the property is worth 200,000. The other thinks it's worth 1.5. One of them wants to use one realtor and you get a whole host of headaches. What happens if one of the sp spouses, the parents are still alive and there's kids, but they didn't have any built-in inheritance on the deed. So we get this homestead order. What does that homestead order look like? And if you could elaborate on what that life estate means for everybody. Well, so if, if they have the same kids, you're not going to get, you're not going through probate because the spouse just gets it automatically. If they're on the deed, right? No. So if, if, if husband and wife have kids together mm -hmm. and husband dies mm -hmm. and, um, let's say they're not on the deed together, right? That's, I think that's what okay. you're saying. Yeah, 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 okay. Let's say it's just John, the, the dad is on the deed and for whatever reason, he didn't put mom on the deed. Um, mom's going to inherit that property 100%. Mm -hmm. That's the and, and so she's going to get it ordered to determine homestead and it's going to be her property. And so you don't really have to worry about the children. Where that comes into play is if dad dies, mom is not on title and dad had children from another marriage that's when it gets a little, I mean, that, that's, I don't know if we want to go there, but that's where it can get a little hairy. Well, so that's where we were at actually in the deal we're, we're trying to fund today is that the, um, the spouse thought she didn't need the, the kid's consent. And in that scenario, the order of homestead had the children because they were children from another marriage yeah. and we needed to get those three kids to sign off. And, there was no other way to clear title without it. And they thought it was like an enhanced life estate deed, but there was no enhanced. It was a fully vested interest, which means the kids had to sign off, which means, you know, like they were fighting it. No, we don't. We were told we don't have to. Which so damage control, <laughs> which means Melinda had to do damage control and save the day. Um, but we did it and we closed. Um, but it's, it's very important that if, you know, as, as realtors, if you have a title attorney telling you, no, this is what it needs to, needs to happen. And your client's telling you otherwise, we need to figure out what professional guided them that way. Or is this something in their imagination? Because this deal got delayed two weeks just because of their imagination. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, I get that a lot where, and it's nobody's fault, but like sometimes, and, I, and I'm sure in the, in everyone's profession, you hear stuff that's like, that's just like not true. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where you, I don't know where you got that. And so, yeah. So sometimes that happens a lot, especially, I think, you know, we talked about it, but I think the, the will thing is where it comes up a lot. A lot of people are under the misconception that they did a will and then they just get to go to the property appraiser's website or the property appraiser, you know, County and say, look, here's my mom's will. She left me the property. And then they're shocked to find out they, they have to go through probate.
Yeah. Is there a way to vet all of that, obviously, prior to that, uh, Melinda? So obviously- Only until we do a search, do we really know what's happening? Do we do a formal title search? And it'll, the conclusions of that title search will be what's will be on the title commitment and it'll tell us exactly what we need. And some of those things might already have happened, right? So depending on what stage of the process that we're in uh, for the probate is, is we might already have those documents or we might not. And then that's where we need to get it. I've seen deals where agents have um, filed for, you know, got the property under contract and only because of one reason or another, only after our title search did we realize that the property, that there was people dead in the chain and we needed all these probates. And in those scenarios, um, you know, there was pre-occupancy and all types of credits to keep the buyer on board because it got so like delayed and convoluted and multiple layers of probate. So the idea is, you know, they're going to, if you have a buyer that's, lo that's looking to make an offer on a property that's going through the probate process, you, they can't expect to close in 30 days more than usually because there's a, there is a time frame for it. You so want them to point, have the right expectations. Yeah, so that, at that point, that's, that's what I was going to just go into that, is you're, you're setting the expectations yet again uh, once that title comes back in and, and possibly extending contract. So it, I think it's super important on the listing side to be able to have open lines of communication with the probate attorney to know what stages are at, what, when can things can be done and not done, and then communicate that effectively with the buyer side if you're under contract so the buyer's agent can give the right expectations. And then everybody understand that the estimate, those are estimates that are being provided because we're dealing with court systems and judges and, you know, family members. And sometimes things take longer, you know, than what we anticipate because of those outside factors. Now, Justin, you talk about homestead, primary residence. What about second vacation homes and investment homes, LLCs, trusts? Can you elaborate a little bit about that? What if I had a multiple? Well, Anthony, that's like a that's like one hour per per thing that you just said. Like LLC, trust, like second home, they're all different things. Like you know, there's a class in law school on each one of these things. Like, I don't know. I don't know. You know, and like, we only have what twenty. We minutes. have like technically <laughs> twenty four minutes left for this episode. Well, so I'll, I'll, why don't you narrow that question down? <laughs> he can narrow it down in one minute. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll answer a couple of those. One thing I, I would say though to what you all were talking about before, and I think, you know, again, probate really is not super complicated from a realtor's perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Like, the main things that that you all need to know is start out on the right path, right? So identify if it's a probate property, bring in your team, okay? Bring in your, your title attorney, your probate attorney, uh, your, your, your mortgage broker, all that. Get everyone on the same footing. Um, sign the listing agreement the right way, which we can talk about here in a bit. Other than that, everything, most of the things that you're going to do are pretty standard. But what I think what Anthony and Melinda, you all were saying is that you know, you really have to manage the, the buyer's expectations because this is not, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a, we've got cash close in 30 days sort of deal. And I get, you know, I get a lot of investors who come to me and they want to find these, they find these properties. And a lot of times the investment properties are just have so many issues with them that they're going to take longer than the normal probate property, just because there's, you know, investment properties tend to be, you know, and, and not the best areas and, you know, variety of reasons or whatnot, um, but really managing their expectations. And I've in the past, you know, in my career of doing this and, and more recently, even, I've gone to the extreme and really tried to set even 
you know, I, I don't try to sugarcoat it. I say, this is going to take a little while. And if you've got a buyer who's, um, who's moving, who's got to move quickly, right? They got to sell their property and be into another property. I can give you a pretty good estimate, but again, I could give you, you know, a ton of stories where stuff just happened that it was completely unforeseeable. And yeah, we are dealing with courts. We're dealing with judges. Somebody, another beneficiary could hire an attorney on their own and just throw a wrench in the entire thing. So, you know, as much as I try to make this as transactional as nature and, and cookie cutter where they're simple, um, it is it is law. It is legal stuff. It does involve courts and stuff happens all the time. So really managing the, the buyer's expectation, even the even the sellers, but more so the buyers, I would say, and the, and the buyer's agent, because the buyer's agent's probably hounding you like, where is this? Where's our close, 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 close. Go, man. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. I, I think that I think that's I think that's huge. Um, but okay, so then to your point about you know investment properties, LLCs, and, and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. So those how we were talking about you know homestead being exempt from creditors, a creditor can go after those properties. Yeah. Uh, so if you've got if you've got an investment property, shoot, if you've got a timeshare, um, and and they know and the credit and there's you know even if it's Mastercard and they're owed a thousand bucks. They could, in theory, try to get you to force to sell that property, that investment property, to get their thousand bucks. Now, in practice, what's going to happen is, you know, I or the probate attorney is going to fight them and try to get that claim reduced or removed. Or, you know, if it's a thousand bucks, we may say, you know, the 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 person receiving the property may rather just pay the thousand bucks out of pocket as opposed to to selling the property. So, yeah. So they can, creditors can and, and do come after that. I would say, you know, hospitals are the most ruthless. Most of the time, credit card companies, we, we get those removed. You know, someone might have a $50,000 Amex bill and, and we fight them and get that removed. Baptist Hospital for 2000 bucks, they're going to fight a little bit more. It's just, the, just kind of the way it is. Awesome. So you said the right way to sign a listing agreement, but before we, I want to jump into that question. So don't forget, but there's one more question here from Dana. So how do, how can one totally prevent probate? Have the home placed in trust? I'm wondering the same thing. That's our question. Actually, it's one of our agenda things. Okay. Yeah. So there's a lot of ways to prevent probate, right, Justin? I think Judith had a question above her. I just saw too. I don't know if you answered, but what if what if the home is in a trust and the trust has a signal designated beneficiary? So it's kind of same thing. There's a lot of ways to prevent probate. And if the owner of the property is um, is a is a is the trust, then the trust has backup plans on how to who gets the property, and it's the trustee who signs off on the sale, and it does not go through if done properly probate. Um, the trustee has backups and so does the beneficiaries upon passing or incapacity, things like that. So that's all built into that. And it's a great way to prevent probate. There are other ways. It's a whole other class. I have my webinar next week. If you guys are interested in about estate planning, I'll, we'll add that um, to the show notes as well. And it talks about preventing probate and court involvement upon your passing. Because uh, it's there's strategies for that, if for primary residents and even for investment properties and other things like that. There's different tools, holding companies, things like that that we can use to structure your assets, or beneficiary designations on accounts and things like that. If it's a non-real estate asset, so that's pretty much how to prevent probate. Dana's, 
<clears throat> we already answered that. What was the other question? Did we miss one? They kind of overlapped. They're talking yeah. about trusts and preventing probate. I think when people, when we're talking about preventing probate, the 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 best the way I the way to think about it is is we got to change title. So title really determines if probate's necessary or not. Like I said in the beginning, um, a will is not going to avoid probate, but you know we don't have to get into it. But there's a lot of different ways you can own the property. You can have uh, joint tenants with right of survivorship. You can have a life estate, an enhanced life estate, also called a ladybird deed. You could put it in a trust. Um, so those are, you know, changing the deed. And, and by doing a trust, you're, out, you're also uh, actually changing the title. So you're transferring the property from you and making the trust the owner of the property. So title is written when we're talking about probate, at least for real estate, right? If we're just talking about property, um, changing title, that's how we're going to avoid probate. Awesome. Okay, so let's get into... Uh, that that next question that you were you were alluding to, how to properly get a listing agreement done, if yeah. uh, it's your probate listing that you're looking to get. Right. So, if um, I, I can use a different name, but I always use John. It just seems like easy. But so if if John uh, if John is um, passed, if John owned his piece of property, right? John owned one two three Main Street, and uh, and you're working with his daughter, let's say Julie. Um, Julie technically doesn't have the authority to sell that property. It's not Julie's property. It's not the daughter's property. It's the father's property. So she can't really sign that listing agreement by herself individually because it's not hers, right? It's not, it's not her property. So the way she's going to do that is she's going to sign it as the personal representative. So when she signs that listing agreement, um, she's going to sign it julie smith as the personal representative of the estate of john smith and so same with the same with the as is contract when you go to sign the contract it's not julie's property to uh it's not julie's property to sell right it's her dad's property she's just acting on his behalf so whenever she signs anything she needs to put that language as personal representative because otherwise you know you don't want the you don't want this the buyer let's say she signed it and I'm not really seeing this, but in theory, this could happen. Let's say she signed the contract herself individually, right? So Julie signs the contract. And in the contract, she says she's gonna, they're going to close in 60 days. And stuff happens. Probate is not ready. Doesn't close in 60 days. And now the buyer's pissed or for whatever reason and sues Julie for not being able to close on that certain amount of, in that 60 days, right? Well, you don't want Julie getting sued and she doesn't want to get sued because she's just doing it on behalf of her dad. So that's why you want to put that personal representative language in there so that if anything does happen, they come after the estate and they don't come after your client um, individually. Awesome. Is that like super awesome. technical? I don't know. Oh, no, it no. is, but that's okay. Yeah. Like, you know, we can get technical sometimes. Just want to get overly technical the entire time. Yeah. That's a it's, a tough, it's, a tough, it's a tough topic to talk about non-technical. I know, I know, I know, I know. Um, so we, we talked a lot about kind of the nitty gritty. Hold on, you muted yourself. Yeah, she muted herself. Hold on. I got you. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so we've done a lot of these technical classes where we really break it down. Um, one day, 
when we get back to our normal uh, routine, we'll definitely have more. If you guys are interested, let us know. Uh, maybe we'll do one virtually one of these days. Who knows? But um, I wanted to touch on niching your business. Justin, I know you do other things, right? But you only talk about really the 95% of your business that you do, which is your probate practice. What type of advice do you have for other agents that want to say, well, where do you, where, where do you work? I do all of Florida and I help all types of clients um, versus having more of a strategic message. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, I mean, it, it comes down to like, I'm an attorney, one of, I don't know how many, a lot, right? There's a lot of attorneys, uh, realtors, mortgage brokers, like we're not in a, we're not like, you know, unique necessarily. So we've got to find ways to, to stand out. And I think if you can find a way to be really known and brand yourself in a certain way, that's, that's um, memorable, you know, that, I mean, that's, that's what this whole thing is about, right? So like, I obviously, when probate comes up, I want to, when a realtor thinks about probate, I want them to be like, oh, wait, who's this guy who's always freaking talking about probate? I want them, you know, to think of me and know kind of like my area. But if I'm giving, you know, mixed signals that I do a little family law, I do a little, you know, whatever else, I think it's, it's harder to um, present that message. So for realtors, I mean, it is, it, I think it can be challenging for a realtor because at the end of the day, you know, you are, you know, you're, you're listing properties, right? You're listing and, and you're selling properties. But I think you can be very known for a certain type of property. Now, you might do other stuff, especially if you're just starting out, right? Like if you know you want to be a multi-million dollar uh, listing agent on the beach and it's day two, you know, of your career, you might not get those listings and you don't want to turn down everything else just because you really want to be that multi-million dollar, uh, you know, listing agent on the beach. But I do think that you can create a brand for yourself, create a niche for yourself. Maybe you, you know, you're known as, you know, I don't know, making up something, but like, you know, the, the agent of like West Kendall who focuses in on this, like one little pocket of, of real estate on properties that are priced between, you know, 250 and 500,000. And you like cater to that demographic because the demographic of somebody who is, who has a um, property between 250 and 500,000 is a lot different than a demographic of somebody who's selling a $5 million to a $10 million um, property. And then you do all of your marketing around that like type of, you know, that type of, um, that type of person. So give us, give us one example that you do, Justin, because I know you're a guru with marketing too, man. <clears throat> right. So, well, I try to, you know, on any of my marketing, so I, I know, so for example, for me, one of my biggest referral sources um, are personal injury attorneys. Okay. And there's a reason for that. You don't necessarily need to know why, but there's a, and, there, and within that I've identified um, certain types of personal injury attorneys that I know have types of cases that would be good for me to work on. Right. So I know, it might sound crazy. I know almost that they're usually uh, males between 55 and 70, more or less. They've got law firms. Um, they've probably got three attorneys on there. They generally have more high-end cases. And so I, know, so I know kind of just the basic demographics of who they are. 
And so now my marketing caters to them. You know, what are their interests? What are their needs? They're not necessarily too interested in talking about technology, right? Because these are a little bit older attorneys who are a little bit more stuck in their ways, but they are interested in, you know, golf or different types of, you know, different types of things. So I can gear my marketing towards them. And I think that's a big, you know, in the beginning, you feel like, oh, well, if I'm only targeting this one small pocket, you feel like you're leaving, uh, you're leaving out everybody else. But that's okay, because that pocket is big enough. Yeah. And you want, you, want them to, you want them to know you. I just talked about this in the last episode that we focus on FHA, conventional USDA, and um, that's it, right? Or VA, and that's it. That's, we stay in our lane. That's our lane. There's plenty of business in that lane. We don't go outside of that lane. Uh, so you're staying in your lane with marketing and then you're, you're leveraging as well, which is good. Yes. Yeah. So, interesting. Interesting. Any more questions? I think we have a couple on, um, on Facebook. We answered them all. <clears throat> more comments. Everyone's like great information. Great Ricardo, questions. Ricardo had a question. How are the items inside the home managed in a probate process? Uh, that's a good question. A great question. Um, that is a good question. I never talk about that. But they do, uh, they yeah, so hard sale. <laughs> that, yeah. Well, <laughs> that stuff, that, you know, so that stuff can be the most like sensitive thing that people fight over, right? Like it might not have the most monetary value, but if you're talking about pictures or family heirlooms that have been passed down or whatever, people can fight over that. The truth is, there's not a great answer to it. What what I generally say is the sooner that you, if you don't have access to the house, or if you do, I would say, and, and no one's living in there, lock it up. Don't let anybody get into it. Go in there, take pictures, photograph everything. Try not to touch anything because you don't know if another, you know, another beneficiary, another sibling is going to come and take everything out. And it becomes very difficult to, to get that stuff back. So, you know, try to safeguard it as much as you can. I, I you know, if there's jewelry, right? So sometimes there's expensive jewelry or expensive artwork. Um, we might want to, we want to take pictures and maybe we want to put it somewhere safe, right? We might want to, we might want to rent a storage unit. We might want to do a lockbox or something like that to, depending on the value and depending on the family dynamics. Um, but, but yeah, it's a good question. I mean, each one's a little bit different, but I would say, you know, if you're dealing with that, I would say, you know, um, you know, take, take pictures. Do you need to empty the home before showing? Uh, depends. Yeah, it depends. I mean, that, that's kind of depends on the client. I mean, from a legal perspective, no, from a, from a legal standpoint, no. Depends on like the sales strategy and if it's an empty house or be, yeah. How old is that stuff? We might want to get it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Awesome. So any other questions? Let's see. Nothing on Facebook. I think just one thing on probate. I, I don't know if there's no other questions. I, I think, you know, again, just for everybody, you know, and this is not like a, a self-promotion, you know, you, you can use, obviously I, use me if you want, but you can use other probate attorney for sure. I just think that when you're, when you're dealing with a, a property and there's any, um, there's any possibility that probate might be necessary or you're unsure who, who owns title or you hear that somebody has, has died or you see, you look up title and there's some, 
you see that EST and you don't know what it means, or there's some sort of designation on the title, don't feel like I should know this and just blow by it, right? Like, don't, don't feel, you know, ashamed that you don't know what it is. Like, just take a couple minutes and reach out, call, call an attorney, call your broker and see if they've got somebody or whatnot and, um, and figure it out. Because, you know, I've had a lot of cases where the client comes to me and the realtor took the listing, didn't do the research before, wasted five months. Okay, well, their contract was for six months. You know, chances of that client rehiring that realtor to list it again when they wasted six months of their time, very unlikely. So, you know, in the very beginning, just do your due diligence, find out, check out the title and all of that. And like I said, if you don't know, ask somebody. No, no shame in that. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Good, good advice. And then um, it's definitely if you're recommending someone or if your client's talking about hiring an attorney, of course, Justin's awesome. But make sure they don't hire someone who just dabbles in it because that will add three months to your close to your closing date. <laughs> Guaranteed. <laughs> um so that's just my my opinion on that and uh and like i know how to do them and i don't even do them i send them to justin just because our pipeline and machinery is built for closings um so you know then that's that's super important justin's is built for these these types of cases so it's, it's um it, that's who you want to have on your team so i think i think that's you know that's wrapping us up for today guys what do you think any other final questions final comments final things you want to say last words last rights Keep, keep getting out there and hustling right now. I think yeah. I said in the very beginning, I think it's awesome that you guys are on here right now, but there's still a lot of things that you can be doing. And I was speaking with an agent yesterday and uh, we were talking and, and her advice to her team was just like, call every single client you've ever had. Just like call and check in, right? Just, I mean, yeah. now's a good time, you know, to just see, say, I've been doing that on my own clients. You know, I've got a pretty long list and like, I just set a time each day. I call each client. And say, you know, hey, I just wanted to check in. How's it going? Like with everything, like I literally have nothing I can do for you because most of my clients are one and done. They did one probate and that's it generally. But I'm still calling and saying, hey, you know, how's it going with this coronavirus? Are you working? Are you safe? Are you healthy? And um, I guarantee you most of your most of your competitors are not doing that. And uh, they'll, they'll be very grateful. And if they're not, still a good deed. Yeah. Um, awesome. Guys, the, the, record, the recordings are going to be sent to you guys if you've subscribed. So those of you that are watching on Facebook, I sent the link uh, in the body and I also sent it in the comment section. So please subscribe. Therefore, you'll get the content and previous episodes that are past recordings. Uh, as well I'm as the resources that we are talking about now. So there's a lot of things that you're going to be getting. Um, and Justin's going to be sharing some resources that you guys can keep on hand to reference throughout if you if and when you get one of those um, probate cases that you need to sell the listing or helping a buyer. So make sure you subscribe. And there's also Justin's uh, book that he's releasing. You want to just yeah. give two seconds out of that, man? Give a shout out of that. Appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, I was going to say, my, if you guys are interested, or I'll, I'll put resources out there, but my email is uh, justin at probatefirm.com. And uh, our website is uh, www.probatefirm.com and got a lot of good resources out there. So thank you guys for having me. It's fun. Awesome, man. Appreciate awesome. you coming on. Thank you all. Awesome. All right. Bye, guys. Have right, an amazing care. weekend. Take care. Thanks.